Empowering Success with April Sprints, unveiling the magic of magic blue rocks. Join us in this enlightening discussion with April Sprints, the force behind the generosity culture and author of Magic Blue Rocks, the secret to doing anything. We explore the foundation for creating self-belief, the primary step towards achieving your dreams, and April's unique mindset of how belief and generosity are the pillars of her personal journey and professional teachings. This episode also highlights the noteworthy forward of Bob Berg, co-author of April's favorite business book, The Go-Giver. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. I'm going to share with you a little bit more about the guests that we have today. Recognized as one of the top 23 entrepreneurs of 2023 by New York Weekly, April Sprints is a renowned business accelerator and sales expert. With over 20 years of experience, she has generated over $1.2 billion in revenue throughout her unique generosity culture approach. A proud Air Force veteran and former television news anchor, she now hosts a globally ranked podcast on winning mindset mastery and contributes to Thrive Global. She's also the author of the award-winning book, Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything. Her expertise in transforming struggling companies into profitable ventures and scaling businesses to eight figures in less than a year. I am so pleased and excited to welcome to the stage, Miss April Sprintz. Hi, April. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And I love that we share the same name with a beautiful woman such as yourself. So this is great that you're here. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's an honor to have you. Let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. 
Sure. So I own my own firm. I'm a business accelerator and sales expert, which can also be described as jack of all trades, master of none, because I've had a really unique journey, both in my life and in my career, that has really helped me to be in a great position to really help and empower lots of other people. So that is what I do. I tend to focus on businesses and entrepreneurs and how I can help them grow exponentially. And I do all of that with the foundation of developing a winning mindset and really just helping them have everything about the life that they've always wanted. And it's not necessarily money. It's not necessarily health, love, or happiness, but it is all four, if that can make sense. And I have really, throughout my journey, found that the mistakes that I've made and the different uh, issues and challenges that I've had in my life have really set me up to help people in the best ways. Mm, I love that you talk about having all of those awesome things that we all want to achieve and pertain in life at the same time. And, and sometimes we wonder, is that really attainable, achievable? I think there's moments, right, where we feel like we do have it all. And then there's moments where we certainly don't. So I think it's exciting that you really bring that to light. Now, I would really love, April, to just jump right into your book because it has my curiosity. And, you know, even from the very get-go, I'm going to bring it into the screen because I think that that the title of this book is really intriguing. Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything. So my curiosity, April, is where did this stem from? Where did you get the idea for this title? And what is the magic all about? So it's interesting. I joke that I don't think it's a great title because you can't tell what the book is really about, but it does really foreshadow what started everything. So one of the pictures that I have to share today is of my childhood home and the whole book started because at six years old, a childhood classmate told me that I was poor. And he didn't do it in an unkind way. He actually did it in a very kind way. But when I learned that at school and I learned it because he said, you know, your, your jeans are too short. Your mom should really get you new pants. And I went into this lengthy explanation with him of how you only get clothes once a year and why that is the case and that these would be cut off into shorts. And in a, a kind way, but a very smart way, he asked me these different questions because when he told me I was poor, I was like, there's no way I'm absolutely not poor. And he asked me things like, what does your dad do? And I said, well, my, my dad's not around. Well, what does your mom do? Well, she's a waitress. And he said, okay, well, do you get free lunch? And the moment he asked that question, because he was just a really smart kid and he wasn't being unkind, mm -hmm. I realized, oh my God, oh my, I am poor. And I had just this visceral reaction of shame and my eyes welled up with tears. And I literally thought I was going to lose this friend. We're working on a, a little project together in the first grade. And I thought no one's going to want to be my friend. And what was so kind about it is I, you know, I, gathered up all my courage. And I said, you know what? I am. I'm poor. And Brad said, okay, that's, that's kind of what I thought. Do you have a blue crayon? Like it was just not even a thing to him, but it was for me such a huge moment. And I really committed to myself, even though I was six years old, I'm going to fix this. And I thought to myself that my mom 
would have fixed it if she knew how. So I decided she didn't know how and it was up to me. So I went home that day and decided I had to find a way to not be poor. So I needed to be rich. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of mentors in my life. But one of them was George Jefferson on a television show called The Jeffersons, where he was a, a kid who had grown up in the ghetto and then started dry cleaners and fran not franchised them, but had a bunch of different locations and moved up to the penthouse. And I always watched that show and I thought, well, I'll just be like George. I'll start a business. And I couldn't find anything in my house to really use for the business. Like I thought maybe I'd sell some things. My older sister told me, you know, you can't just sell our stuff like that. that's not a business. And I would have argued with her if there had been anything that I thought I could sell. But all I'd found is this blue marker. And I went outside and I saw the gravel in the driveway, which you may have seen in that picture you just showed. And I thought, OK, if I take these rocks and I color them blue, I can put magic in them. Because I was six years old, I still believed in magic, right? And I was like, I'll put the magic of being able to do whatever you think you can do in them. Because constantly at that age, adults were telling me I couldn't do things that I would then go and prove I could do, whether it was good or bad, right? Because some of the things they said I couldn't do, I probably shouldn't have done. But I really believed, okay, I can make these rocks special and then I'll sell them to kids and then they can do anything they believe they can do. So mm -hmm. I colored them that night. I went to school the next day. I told the kids what I had, that I had these magic blue rocks. And if you had one, you could do anything you believed you could do. And I sold the entire class a magic blue rock, but wow. I priced them badly <laughs> because I priced them at a quarter each. Because at that time in my life, my solution to getting rich quick was to have something that added up quickly. That's what I thought it was, right? You get, you get rich because the money adds up to a lot of money quickly. And I really liked quarters. But at that time, school lunch was 80 cents for the kids that paid for their lunch. And their parents always gave them a dollar. So here are these kids who have a dollar who want this rock, who then will not be able to pay for lunch. And they all want the rock. And one of the kids in the class said, well, it's okay, we can charge our lunch. But as you can imagine, when every kid in a classroom charges their lunch, the lunch lady said something to my teacher and she came over and was asking the kids about the rocks and they're all showing them and they're so great. And she comes to talk to me and I explained to her what happened. You know, I, I had to sell these because I'm poor and I need to make money. And I really her and thought she was just this amazing person and that she would just get it. And she said the most horrible thing she could have said to me, April, which was, I'm going to have to call your mom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, 
We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. <laughs> that and, is the most horrible thing for a situation right? here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, because I had been told, you need to be bleeding. If they bother me at work, you should be hurt. Mm-hmm. And my mom came, and this was really a watershed moment for me because she came and she talked to me outside of my classroom. You know, the teacher had already given me the, the whole school is for learning, it's not for selling. And I was like, this is just ridiculous, but okay. But my mom came and I could feel like she was ashamed. She was really sad. And I remember her saying to me that we were poor, but to remember that money didn't have anything to do with who you were. It was just something that you had or didn't have in our case. And she teared up and my mom was just the strongest person I had ever known. And the idea that she would cry at that thought, like left such an impression on me. And she said, look, you don't need to worry about being poor. You're special. You can do anything you want to do. You're going to be fine. And in that moment, I just made this decision that I was not going to think about things that made a strong person feel bad, that made me tear up because I thought that it meant something bad. I was going to focus on the things that made me feel invincible, made me feel like I could do anything. And I really, without even knowing it, just made that decision that I am going to believe that I can do and be and have whatever in the world it is that I want. And I feel so incredibly fortunate because it was almost an accident that I did that. But that has guided me through my entire life, through going from poverty to the military and then on to a career in finance and the startup world of software and then to owning my own firm. Everything I've ever done, I really didn't know how to do it, but I believed that I could. So I happened to share a short little video of that house when I went back to it in 2020. And I had such an unbelievable response to it when I shared it. I mean, just tens of thousands of people were reaching out and saying, oh, my gosh, this makes me think I could do whatever it is that I want to do because you started here and look at where you are. And just to give you a frame of reference, that's a tiny little house today in 2023. If you go to this house on Zillow, it's worth $19,000 because it doesn't have working heat. It does have working water, but it is about a 600 square foot house. It's super tiny. And just the idea that if one person can do it, then someone else can. And there was such a response that I had a, a friend and mentor say to me, April, you need to write these stories. You need to tell people about what you did and what happened so that more people realize what is possible for them. And so it was, you know, COVID, middle of 2020, I was like, yeah, how hard could it be to write a book? Let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's get it out there. Perfect and time. Yeah. And just share those things. And there are six short stories in there for my life. Somewhere like Magic Blue Rocks, I did something kind of cool. Somewhere I epically failed, but the lesson from it was so incredibly valuable that if I can share that with somebody, I absolutely want to do it. But mostly the steps on how you build a mindset of self-belief. Because though I talk to people about winning mindset and we talk today about growth mindset and those sorts of things, those are all built on the foundation of believing in yourself. And we aren't always mirrored that kind of belief from the people who raise us because maybe they don't believe in themselves. So how do we 
at whatever point in our life that we want to become the hero of our story, go and build that for ourselves. And that's what Magic Blue Rocks is for. Oh, what an empowering story, April. And I have to go back through this story, what I heard. it You take it back to the six-year-old self. And you you were told by your classmate that you were poor and then you you know being so bold and brave it really shows the character of who you are but to say at that 6 year old self and admit yeah i i am poor and i mean that's such a testament again to who you are today and to to go on that journey and and be still in that creative mind of a 6 year old where you're painting the rocks and you're mm-hmm. you're selling them to the students and in turn i chuckled to myself because now they're spending the lunch money that you didn't have and really mm-hmm. feeling and have to think for themselves okay now how do i navigate this when i don't have a lunch right Right. 100%. It, it is really funny to think back to it. it. It's funny to think back to where my mind was and what I was thinking about and, and what I was doing. And also just to think about the innocence of childhood and the fact mm-hmm. that at that point, I still felt shame for it and I didn't know why. Right. And I felt like it was this horrible thing. Yet here was this young man who knew and recognized what it was and could identify it. Right. And he was in a, you know, I think his mom was our school counselor. So like he had a a different life, Mm -hmm. but had absolutely no judgment about it and no thoughts about it, which I love because to me, that was a really good friend. And what's so crazy. Oh, go ahead. It was a safe place. Like Mm -hmm. he gave you the space to, to really be yourself and to express yourself more authentically. I, I think that is a really powerful aspect of your story because if it was otherwise, and it was one of those kids that, you know, did not have that understanding and allowed the space for that, where it was a non-judgmental approach, it might have looked a lot differently for you. Oh, hundred percent. Well, I had lots of people when I first published the book, be like, I hate Brad. I'm like, Brad was super kind. Brad was, was very nice to me and was, you know, better at dealing with that information than even I was. And the the crazy part is Brad and I went through most of our young years of school together, but we didn't stay in contact other than we were connected. And I only, I think last year told him that he's in this book and I reminded him of the story and he of course didn't even remember. Right. And that happens so many times. And that's one of the lessons that I learned again in my childhood, but has repeated itself over and over throughout my adult life is that there are times when you are just being yourself, when you are just being your normal you and you can change somebody's life. Someone else can have this watershed moment or this huge epiphany or this life changing thought because you were kind, because Mm -hmm you cared enough to see them and recognize them and help them in whatever way you could. 
Yeah, it's definitely testimony to the way that we impact others without knowing about it. Like you're saying, Brad didn't even recall the way that he responded mm -hmm. to you, but yet it had this profound impact for you and, and may have even ventured to say, changed the course of life and how you showed 100%. up in the world. Yeah. Yes. Brad made me rich, whether he knows it or not, because from that <laughs> moment, that was my goal. I'm going to be rich, whatever you as a person think that is. Yeah. And I'm 100 percent. One of the things I, I say in the book is, spoiler alert, I did get rich and it happened a lot faster than I thought it would. And mm. these are the, the things that happen along with it, because that's not the most important thing. But I 100 percent credit him with that because I didn't have the desire before then. And right. him sharing that information with me gave me the desire. And just knowing what we want is so incredibly powerful because if we focus on that what, the how will unfold as we go towards it. Right. And you attribute a lot of what you teach now and so much of your journey to Bob Berg's book, The Go-Giver. And so it's within that concept and perception of the giving mentality. So let's talk a little bit about that. When did you come into uh, knowing about Bob Berg's work? When mm -hmm. did that influence you? And what really sparked that knowledge and when you started applying it to life? Well, what's so interesting is I actually didn't meet Bob Burke until many years later. So I was inspired by a mentor when I was very young, a woman by the name of Sue Harper, who came into our home and she was the head of HR where my mother worked because my mother had self-identified as an alcoholic and they gave her the opportunity to go to rehab. And that was something that at that time wasn't super common that a company would pay for someone to go through that. And it absolutely wasn't common for an executive to come into that employee's home. And my mom worked at her factory and share with their children what was gonna happen. And she was just incredibly generous and incredibly kind to come into our home and not only explain this to me, but also offer to be my friend and mentor. So she showed me this kindness and this generosity that was just absolutely unparalleled. And that modeled for me that there's not a single problem in the world that we can't solve without asking, how can I help? Right. It could be your problem, but helping someone else will probably get fixed. will probably fix your problem by focusing on them and focusing on helping. And that really became how I went into the business world. And I was always looking for how do you help the customer, the client and built my career that way. The generosity now, culture. Absolutely. She is the impetus for the generosity culture. And I didn't have a name for it back then, but she stayed this influence in my life. And what's so interesting is it aligns and dovetails perfectly with the go-giver and the go-giver movement, which is from more than a decade ago. What was so interesting to me was as I am out working with companies and teaching them about the generosity culture and I'm speaking, people kept saying to me, oh, this sounds like the go-giver. Have you read the go-giver? And I don't know about everybody else, but I am one of those annoying people that if too many people tell me about something for whatever reason, then I, I just keep putting off doing it. I'm like, everybody's talking about that. And I know there are probably only certain personality types that do this where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. The go-giver, the go-giver. But finally, like the third or fifth person who said it, I was like, okay, April, this is the universe trying to tell you something. You need to read this book. So I'll, I'll never forget. Someone said it to me. I bought the book. I 
read it in one sitting because it's it's funny. I modeled Magic Blue Rocks after The Go-Giver in that I needed it to be a link that could be read on a flight from New York to L.A. because mm. I loved that about The Go-Giver. So I read this book and I am so just overcome with these are my people. Where were these people when I was in corporate? And I was a wonderful salesperson. I became the top salesperson. Meanwhile, everyone thought I was a weirdo because everybody else was, let's always be closing. And I was like, let's ABH, let's always be helping. Let's see what we can do for them. And they were like, this weird stuff, that girl, until all of a sudden that girl was doing more business than anyone else, right? But everything that I believed was in this book that Bob Berg and John David Mann wrote. And I was so moved by it. I reached out to both of them. And basically, in the kindest and most excited way I could, threatened them with lifelong friendship. And they could have maybe gotten a restraining order, but instead, they were both incredibly kind. And I found out that Bob and I lived 15 minutes away from each other. Wow. And so, and this was, again, this was also during COVID. So I think I met Bob in March of 2020. Did you feel like you were then entering as a character in the story? Not at all. No. Okay. <laughs> no, I was I was very much in awe. The first time Bob and I got together, I invited him to go to the dog park with me and my dog cowboy. And I was a complete fangirl about it. I was nervous he'd say no. I didn't know what to say. I felt very awkward. And then ended up like one of those people where the first moment you see them, you know, you're going to be lifelong friends. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was incredible. So it's funny because he has had a, a great influence on my life because he embodied everything that I believed in and said mm. it so much better than I ever had. Mm. You know, April, I don't know about you, but it's, it's a really miraculous thing when we meet in person, the people that have inspired us along our journeys the most, and they turn out to be even better than you ever could have imagined and expected, or they really live up and embody the words that they put on that paper. 100%. And Bob is absolutely one of those people. And there's a quote that I absolutely don't believe in that's out there that says, don't meet your heroes. And mm -hmm. I would change that to meet your heroes early and often because mm -hmm. I have had such a great experience with meeting incredible people who make such an incredible impression on people's lives. And Bob is like the characters in the book, The Go-Giver. You know, you mentioned he wrote the foreword in my book. I asked him if he would just read it and tell me what he thought. Yeah. And he read it, told me what he thought and said, would you like me to write the foreword? Very giving. Oh, yeah. Cute and generous. And to me, I'm like, the Bob Burke? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and when we talk about, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to bring this picture into because April, when we talk about really being able to meet your heroes and have conversations with incredible human beings, I feel you really experienced so much of that on your journey and what you created in life, the avenue that you took. And this is a photo here during... Uh, during military days that you were able to get some shots and interview people and meet more people and get behind the scenes. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I had an incredible military experience and I had a different job than most people. And I'll be the first person to admit that when folks say there are military heroes, I say there absolutely are. I did stories about them and I got to meet many of them. Certainly wasn't one, but I got to walk beside quite a few. And what I loved about that work was you really did get to highlight people and learn about them and the really incredible, amazing things that they did. And as an added bonus, because it also, so we were the reporters and the news anchors overseas. So there'd be English speaking news for the military members, because this was before streaming TV. This was before you could get Netflix or Hulu or CNN or any of that was available really to us. So you didn't have the local element. And it gave us the opportunity to really show the folks in the local countries what the military was doing, what kind of people we were, and share those stories. And it was also incredible because the different people that I got to talk to, learn about, hear from. And it was also a great training ground because I was a 19, 20, 21-year-old young woman and I'm interviewing the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and fixing his uniform so he looks as good on camera as possible. And having to have the confidence to do that, even though you know the military is absolutely based on rank and there aren't that many scenarios where someone as young and inexperienced as I am and was at that time would be advising someone at that level. And it was an amazing experience to understand that people are people. And when someone seems to be, you know, at this incredible level compared to where you see yourself, they've just put more reps in, right? They've spent a little more time on the planet, or they've spent a little more time doing things, or they have really practiced their craft and whatever it is that they're great at for longer than you have. So it's a great way to be able to view people and things as completely attainable and then really be able to pass that on to other people. So whether I'm working with companies or entrepreneurs, it's you want that. Okay. The fact that you want that tells me it's possible for you. We've just mm. got to figure out how we get you there because you don't want things that aren't possible for you. I have no desire whatsoever to climb Machu Picchu. I know people who have, but I know I probably couldn't because I have no desire. So the things that you want to do, I know those are possible. I love that. I think that there's a hundred percent truth in that, that, and I really like that you show up that way. I think it's incredible. And April, you, you shared about when you, when you meet people that are from all of these different backgrounds and they're doing these incredible things, how you just, it really opens up your mind to more possibilities. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about the things that inspire us and the things that we want to do. We wouldn't know unless we had knowledge of that. Oh, hundred percent. Well, and another side of it that people don't talk about very often, right? Because sometimes we'll want something for ourselves and we'll be so afraid that we can't have it. That when we see someone else getting it, we feel badly about ourselves. We're jealous or we feel angry or we feel like they have it so I can't have it. And what I want everyone in the world to, to start to understand is, you know, they're just proof that it can be done. So somebody else did it. That's amazing. Because it doesn't impact what's there for you or what's possible possible for you, other than to tell you that it is possible because someone else did it. When you do that, 
when you start to see other people achieving the dreams that you want to achieve as more proof that it's something that you can do and you're cheering them on and you're excited for them, you will start to see your journey to do the same thing speed up. Because when we focus on what we don't have, we're going to get more of what we focus on. So focusing on the fact that that means that it's even that much more possible. You think of Roger Bannister, who was the first person to run a sub four minute mile, right? Nobody had ever done it. It wasn't possible. So he does it. And then people are like, hmm, so I guess you can. And yeah. so the next year, right, there's lots more people that do it. And if we can look at things like that, instead of thinking it says something about us or where we are, because we're all on a different path, our timing is all totally different. And mm -hmm. it wouldn't be interesting if it wasn't, right? If we were all hitting those milestones and those goals at the exact same time, it would be like that Barbie movie that came out earlier this year where everything is the same every day and everyone's happy. Yeah. And like a little bored and wanting things to be a little more interesting. We don't want that. Hmm. You know, I don't know about you, April, but that was one of the biggest lessons I think that I had to learn. And uh, it really stemmed from being a parent and realizing that we are all on our own journey. And if if you continue to control or be jealous of or whatever or or expectations, right, when you consider having expectations for the people around you and why are they not showing up the way that you think that they should, it's because we are all on that own journey. You know, the, the self-discovery, the evolution, the soul evolution, so to speak, it's, it's because of that. It's all in our own timing. Absolutely. You know, when you mentioned having kids, I have to tell you, I learned more from dogs and children than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. And I think that children most often, especially if they're under the age of five or six, they know more than we do because it's like they know everything. And then we teach them how to forget it. We teach them to care mm -hmm. what other people think. We teach them to be still. We teach them to be less creative. We teach them not to listen to their inner voice, but instead to listen to us. And for me personally, I feel like I've probably spent the last 10 years unlearning those things. Yes. So I'm more like a five-year-old than I've ever been, but my life is so much better. And I encourage people to think about instead of, like you said, measuring that race or what other people are doing or our expectation for other people, really focus on yourself and what you want and that voice within. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that we all make, and I certainly did, is looking for the answers to life and happiness and success and everything you want outside of yourself, waiting for someone to tell you how you get it. When if you can take time and, and be silent and do meditation and really spend time listening to your own inner voice, all the answers will come to you in the most amazing way. April, you and I have so much in common. It is wild to me. And, it, you know, even your your business name has the word driven in it, similar to my <laughs> business name. Go figure, right? Same name, same, same wording that we were really drawn to. But you're also mentioning so many things that are, are so pertinent on my own journey of, of self-evolution. And, and you mentioned sitting with yourself 
myself and really needing to quiet down. And so I would, I would love to shine a little bit of light on that and the pertinence of that. And you also mentioned that, you know, when we start to concentrate on ourselves, it's not a selfish act to be doing that because the, the improvement of oneself really, it, it just emanates the improvement of everything and everyone around us, doesn't it? hundred percent. So most people are familiar with the idea of the law of attraction, right? That that is one of the, the natural laws that will help bring you the things that you want most in life. One of the natural laws that people are less familiar with is the law of growth. And that is that everything that is on the planet wants to grow. And if it doesn't seem like that might be a real thing, look at plants, puppies, kids. <laughs> We're all seeking more expression, more growth, those sorts of things, right? When you think of a plant, other than having the addition of sunlight and maybe some water, that need for growth, those things come from inside. And I think we are the exact same way, which is why I say you go within and, and that's where you'll have those things. And a lot of people might think taking that time for yourself is selfish. It isn't. It is no different than when you're on an airplane and they say, okay, so when those air masks drop, put yours on and then you can take care of everybody else. Because if you take that time and focus on yourself and what you really want and the things that really matter to you, you show up so much better for every other person in your life, whether they're someone you're close to or a stranger, because first focusing on just getting in the right place with yourself is so incredibly powerful. And then it almost feels like you have like this light and this energy and this magnetism that comes out of you that yeah. anyone who interacts with you cannot help but feel better. But you can't do that if you don't first fill that up in yourself. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's like a smile is contagious. And that's the same concept of mm -hmm. that energy just emanating and, and catching fire with everyone else. And so I, I love that, that you really highlight that as well. Now you have a podcast as well, which is super fun. And you get to interview many people. It's winning mindset mastery. Did I say that right? You did okay. winning mindset mastery. Perfect. So winning mindset mastery, I, I would love to know, April, from that, you, you talk to incredible minds, brilliant minds across the globe. From that, what are some of the things that you have really learned or what have what has been some of the highlights out of that experience for you? So Winning Mindset Mastery actually came out of another podcast where I was doing Pouring Into Your Business and interviewing entrepreneurs and leaders on their best business advice. And then I would do this secondary 10 minute episode on mindset called Mindset Minutes. And I ended up stopping the podcast at that time because the Mindset Minutes were downloaded so much more than any of the interviews. And I had a listener come up to me and say, you know what I'd love is everybody talks about having a good mindset. Everybody talks about having you know a growth mindset, any of these things. No one talks about the steps, like how do you do it? And those Mindset Minute episodes were really short. So what I ended up doing was creating Winning Mindset Mastery, which actually no longer has interviews. It is 10 minutes or less. And it's just me giving people different examples, different how-to steps for creating that winning mindset. And when I say winning mindset, here's what I mean. I mean the mindset that makes you feel like a winner 
that empowers you, whatever that is to you, that mindset that gets you to that place where you are so much happier, where you feel better, where your life is what it is that you had always hoped it would be. And it's particularly powerful for those folks who have been go-getters and achievers their entire life. And they've gotten all these things they thought they wanted and then been disappointed in the having of them. I thought that this would feel different. Mm. thought that when I got here, I'd be happy. Okay. Well, wherever you are, I can help you with that. And my big thing about it being 10 minutes or less is I can tend to have a short attention span. I want you to tell me how to do it. I want you to do it quick. (laughs) So I, that's what I share with my listeners in those little bite-sized episodes with, with exercises and reframes and stories that can help them understand as they see things play out in their own life. Because when we hear something or read something, that isn't how we're taught. We're taught when we're then applying it in our life, or we can see a parallel to something that's already happened to us. And that's what I'm looking to help people with. Ah, very, very cool. And so common, isn't it? You know, where where people get to a place in life and they're like, well, I thought it would look different. And now what? And how do I view this and perceive this in a different way to where it's in my benefit? And, you, you know, April, you you have so much well-rounded perspectives on things. You dive into the entrepreneurial world. You have a lot of insight on the spiritual aspect of living, the physical aspect of living. What do you do each day to really help keep that well-roundedness? So... One thing that helps keep me well-rounded is, though I absolutely believe in and utilize the woo-woo, if you will, in my life, the Mm -hmm. spiritual side, I'm also incredibly grounded. And that's a good thing and a bad thing in some ways, right? The good thing is I, I feel like I can reach everyone where they are. I can help you no matter where you are on the spectrum, right? So if you're someone who is all about the law of attraction, I'm happy to help you with that. But if you think that sounds crazy, that's fine. I can talk to you in mindset and science and tell you how to get your brain to help you. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. For me, the way that I stay in both of those areas is number one, I have my own mindset practice, you know, where I'm focusing on three wins of the day and how have I helped people and impacted people. And I have my own meditation practice. And literally, those are the three things that I'm doing. I am meditating, I am writing down my wins, and I am looking for how do I help someone today? And I always have time to help. I am always looking for ways to help people. And what I've found is some folks are like, well, you know, how does that help you from a business perspective? The thing is, if you're just going around all the time looking to help people, your business will take care of itself. You will have anything and everything you want. It was Zig Ziglar who said, you can have everything in the world you want if you will help enough other people get what they want. And those three things have been the key to not just my success, but my happiness with the way that my life is going and the way that I know that it'll continue to go. Mm. Those are really great insights. And I appreciate you bringing them up. I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you. And so I want to bring in your website for those of you who are viewing, you can see it here on the screen It's also going to be in the description below. And those of you listening in the website is www.drivenoutcomes.com. Again, that is www.drivenoutcomes.com. 
April, you have so many things that are amazing to share with people. What is the next grandiose thing that you're creating in the world? Oh, wow. All right. Now I feel on the spot. Grandiose. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So I used to be someone, and even in the, the title, like business accelerator, I was all about massive action and how do we do big things really quickly. And I think what I've learned, and so my next massive thing is going to be an accumulation of all the smaller things that I'm doing. Because what I've learned is it's about those smaller steps that we take repeatedly over time, day in and day out, and how that creates this massive impact for people. Because you've got all of these times that you are going out of your way to do something that will empower and help and assist someone else. And then that person has now been modeled how that feels and how impactful it is. And then they go and do it for someone else or they go and do it for three or four someone else's. So candidly, I think the next really huge thing, quote unquote, I'm going to do, I might not have anything to do with other than the impetus of a whole lot of other people doing amazing things for other folks. That's awesome. That's awesome. It really is spreading it and creating even more impact because you are leading other people to really do the same things. I love April, it. It has been wonderful, wonderful to have you on the show. I love that you share so many similar things. So of course, it's a joy for me personally <laughs> to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. Is there anything Pleasure. else you want to share with the audience today? If I could leave you with one thing, because I've talked about a lot of stuff, right? So if you don't leave with any other thought than this one, I want you to, to think this. And this is a quote from Seneca. And it is that you are not your circumstances. You are your possibilities. So wherever you are today, wherever you feel like you are in life, whether that's mentally, financially, relationship-wise, that isn't who you are. You are what it is that you're dreaming that you can do, what it is that you want to go and accomplish. You are your possibilities. Mm. And I'm bringing in your pictures of the books again, because this is your possibilities with those magic blue rocks. Again, April, thank you so much for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show Truly a beauty to have here on the show. Thank you so much for your insight, your wisdom, your knowledge. And thank you again for the audience to be tuning in. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. And so thank you so much for that. And goodbye for now. We will see you next time.